With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie bait, and it keeps it out of sight. You know when that shark bites. So welcome everybody to this latest episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark. Uh, but today I'm afraid no Matt Macklin. He called me this morning at about nine o'clock and said that he's not feeling great. So he decided to play it safe, which is the responsible thing to do, particularly at the moment, given the fears everybody has about health in general. Um, I don't think he's got coronavirus. I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't know, but um, I'm not going to start spreading any kind of rumours, but I shouldn't joke about it, it's a serious issue, but, but he's done the right thing because you can't be bringing any strain of illness, particularly not into a gym, because this is where people are making their living, this is where they're training for, for fights, so it's, it's uh, respectful of Macklin and uh, what you'd expect, and normally that would mean that we would look to reschedule, because this is very much something that we do as a pair, but we couldn't not go through with this today, because we've got such a great opportunity here to talk to two fighters with very interesting stories who have formed an unlikely, I think it's fair to say, friendship, having covered their fight back in November 2018, which was spiky in the build-up, to say the least. So we'll get into that. And one of them is one of the biggest names in the sport. Uh, ten fights into her career, the most successful fighter of all time. That's, that's just a fact, with eight world titles across three different weight divisions. So with me, I've got Hannah Rankin. Uh, and Caressa Shields down at Churchill's Boxing Club just south of the River Thames. Thanks very much for, yeah, no, for making no the time. Problem. So first of all, just to fill people in, you two boxed in November 2018 in Kansas for yes. three world titles yep. at middleweight. Yeah, You were the defending champion. I think one of them was vacant. I think one of the belts might have been vacant. But in any case, the there were three. was there were, Christina Hammers, but they made it a WBC. That's it. Um, what do they call it? Um, Diamond. In recess. Emeritus. In recess. Emeritus. 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 Recess. That's yeah. it. Yeah, anyway, that's there were three world titles on the line, so it was a big, big fight. And 
I was covering it myself. So I remember chatting to you, Hannah, before yeah. the fight, and it got interesting during fight week. Things were said in the build-up. It, it, it didn't get to out of control, nothing really untoward, but it was it was lively. Then it yeah. got lively at the weigh-in. <laughs> yeah. So when I discovered a few months ago now that, that you were now friends to the extent that Chris has come over here for the second time now to... to uh, to work uh, in the community with boxing, but also help each other train. I couldn't quite believe it. So explain <laughs> yourselves. I would just say we're both not haters. That's it. Like, we had our build-up. We talked trash. I said stuff to her. She said stuff to me. And after we went in a 10-round war fight, you know, where I landed some hard punch, she hit me. After the fight, I was really impressed with her as a fighter you know because really you go in the ring you don't think too highly of any fighter you know well not myself I'm like well she just another girl in my way but see that she stood up 10 rounds she fought back she was awkward I had just told her after the fight like you have so much potential you know you're going to be a world champion you may not have been a world champion today but you will be a world champion in, in the in the future and I was right you know I was right because when me and her box like I said she was she was awkward, and she was tall, and she was long, and she was rangy. And I tried to go in there and have my way with her, but I couldn't have my way completely, even though I wanted to fight with her. It still just was like she just stood her ground, and that's what made me become not only a fan but wanted to be friends with her because she was so nice to me after the fight also. We both were able to give each other like that respect. I believe there was there was some sparring in Miami, wasn't there, as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that was like the first time we'd seen each other since the fight, I think, in Miami. Um, so. so obviously the first spar back is always going to be a little bit tense, I think, when we, we hadn't seen each other <laughs> since the fight. <laughs> so I think uh, our respective trainers and our manager were kind of like, ooh, is it going to go okay? Because you had the fight coming up and I had the yeah. fight coming up. But yeah, we put on a show in the Fifth Street gym and uh, we had some good rounds. And We did. It's good. And like... I really respect Carissa and I always learn a lot when I'm training with her. We do a lot of sparring and, and also she gives me some great advice for fights and things. So, yeah, no, it's like it's been an unlikely friendship, but one that's really worked out very well. And so you were over not that long ago uh, and you come back this time to do a series of, of, of masterclasses with, with young fighters, basically, every day this week um, mm-hmm. at Churchill's. Um, the week will have been and gone by the time this, this goes out, but I mm-hmm. dare say if it's a success and, and from what I hear it has been. Yes. Then, then you'll be back. Yeah. So, what's it like coming over? I, know you, I mean, you won a gold medal in London here. This is this is this city has been it is is got good memories for you. Well, when I was seventeen, I really didn't get to do much. When I was in London, everybody was holding my hand, walking me to the bathroom because I was only <laughs> seventeen, so I was the baby on the team. So, oh. I really did not enjoy London that much. The only thing I enjoyed was winning my Olympic gold medal. <laughs> that, was, that was it. But now to come back over here, um, it's way different than the U.S. And I, I have my, I'm having my first quote camp here, and my fans in America are pretty upset, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, you can like, see. Why didn't you come to the U.S.? <laughs> Why are you not in New York? Why are you not having this in Dallas? Why are you not having this in L.A.? And I'm just like, eh, maybe I'll try it when I get back. But I'm happy I chose to have my quote camp, my first time having it here in the U.K. I wish to fight here one day, and um, that's why I had it here. But my, but my, you know. I'm growing in the public eye, so I don't want to starve my fans in the starve my fans in the UK. My American fans always see me at the fights in Vegas or at the MGM, so I wanted to come here and just do a program here, so my some of my fans here can get the chance to come see me, meet me, and train with me because um, I have a lot to teach. Quote camp, greatest woman of all time. I yeah. like that. It's, yeah. it's a catchy kind of acronym that one. And 
Is boxing the, is the gym the same here as it is in America? We like to think that, that boxing's this kind of sport that transcends all geographical borders and that boxing gyms have the same yeah. kind of ethos wherever you go. But do they? Is it, it, must, it must be a different sort of feel to it, maybe. Yeah, this, is a, this is a pretty good gym. <laughs> I can say that. Like, the gym that I grew up in is kind of, you know, rugged and rough, and we got bags. Like, these are, like, brand-new bags. Some of our bags were, were, like, tore when I grew up, and from people punching on a the bag, they had rips in them, and the bags weren't even filled with, filled with sand. They were filled with clothes, some of the bags that I used to hit. Um, but here is a, it's a nicer gym. It's pretty. But um, in the U.S., we have pretty gyms, too. Yeah. But I still like to go to the more of the gym where it's like more of a private gym. I like train, I like train by like like by myself all the time, and uh, have a quiet gym. I go to a lot of gyms now that there's just too much talking, too much conversating, and I'm like, I gotta work. I didn't come here to talk. So um, this gym kind of has that flavor too. Like it's not really like a talkative gym. Everybody comes here to work. So let's just get into your respective backgrounds because people will be aware of, of, of the names of the accomplishments, but you've got really interesting stories, the, the pair of you, and you're, you've had to repeat yours quite a bit already, yeah. and, but the better you do, the more, the more it will happen, and you're, you're, you're so different in terms, of where you've, in terms of where you've come from, because Hannah, you grew up in a remote part of Scotland. Yeah. Uh, you're a classically trained bassoonist. You're kind of probably, yeah. you're not rolling your eyes, but, but, <laughs> but you've heard it, you know, that is something that is gold. People love those kinds of stories. Uh, Chrissy, you're from, you're from, from the inner city in, in, in Flint, where I, I guess there's not a great demand for classically trained bassoonists. <laughs> I could not. be wrong. I've never been there. Uh, but Hannah, you first, just, just fill us in a bit. Yeah. So, um, I'm from, from Scotland, obviously, in the middle of nowhere. I grew up on a farm, um, and my local school, there was 27 kids in total, in the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, but it's true. There was 27 kids in total in the whole school. And, uh, yeah, m- me and my three sisters went there. And then when I got a bit older, I wanted to follow a career in, in classical music. Um, me and my two sisters, we all played instruments, and I fell in love with music and decided that I would go down that route. And so I studied at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, playing the bassoon. And then when I moved to London, I went to the Royal Academy of Music to do a master's there. Um, And that's when I actually got back involved with boxing. Uh, I used to do taekwondo as a kid. So I always really enjoyed the sort of discipline and training of doing combat sport. So, yeah, I got back into boxing, kind of fell in love with it, did some white collar boxing and then decided I wanted to go to the next step. I wanted to stay with my coach, Noel Callan, so I decided to go down the professional route. So now I am a classically trained musician, but I also box <laughs> as well. So, so when it came to getting your license, because I remember talking to Fabio Wardley about this, who he yep. came through white collar as well, uh, and people will be interested in this as to what actually happens, because if you've boxed in the ABAs yeah. uh, and there's footage of you online, but, and if you've won titles, they'll they're not going to look very closely into no. you at all. But if you haven't done that, then yeah. they will. So what did you, they can't do trial spars anymore. They, that, no. that disappeared a few years ago because they can't get insurance. That's, that's basically why. Right. But they will come and... Did they come and assess you? Did they yeah. come and look so at you? So basically when I had my interview with the British Boxing Board of Control, they asked for my experience. And because I've been around sparring with people like Michaela Lauren and Kelly Morgan at the time, I've been working with professional, uh, like sparring with professional fighters. Um, it was, yeah, it was really 
I had to prove that I've been having that experience uh, in the pro ranks, training with people who are of note. Um, and then they also came down to actually assess me. Uh, it was at the Peacock Gym, actually. They came down to assess me on the pads with Noel, working away on the bag and doing some moving around, basically. And obviously they could see that I knew what I was doing by that point. But I think when you come from a white-collar background, you have so much more to prove in this country than um, people who come through the ABA system. It, it kind of is, is assumed that you probably can't fight as well. And that's not necessarily true it's just you have to prove it a little bit better <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and Carissa from your point of view it was it was the opposite end of the scale you went right through the you did it the classical way almost you went right through the amateur system to the very very peak of the sport I mean just just let people know how was it for you early days why did you start fighting well I was uh inspired to fight by my dad my dad was an underground street fighter he wasn't uh professional like I am <laughs> But uh, his nickname was Cannonball. My dad used to be knocking guys out in the streets and barns and alleys. Uh, my dad is known all around the Michigan area for being, like, a knockout artist. And uh, he went to prison when I was two, got out when I was nine. And he just told me, like, his life was so hard. And I was like, why? He just vented me. And he said, if I would have stuck to what I was passionate about, I wouldn't be in this situation. And I was like, what were you passionate about? And he said, boxing. And when my dad said boxing, I thought to myself, eh, I could fight a little bit. And I decided that I would box to make my dad happy. I didn't know that when I started boxing that I would love it. It was just something I wanted to do to make my dad, you know, have something to live for, to make him be proud of. And I started boxing. I walked in the gym when I was 11 years old. I saw two guys sparring. And the first thing I thought to myself was, I'm sure I could do that. I'm positive. And then from there, I think I trained for two months. I had my first sparring session against a guy who had been boxing for six years. And I beat him up. (laughs) <laughs> and then from there, I just was like, yo, I'm about that life. I can really fight. <laughs> and then from there, I just kept training and kept training. And when I was 14 years old, I had um, watched a girl named Mary Spencer from Canada Box. And I remember watching her because she was way bigger than me. I was 154 fighting or maybe 140-something. But she was fighting at 152 at the time. And I was watching her fight. And after she fought, I was like, man, she's good. And my coach walked up to me and he said, you beat her with one hand. I was like, who? Mary Spencer? She was a two-time world champ at the time. So I was like, there's no way. I mean, I'm I'm like, I could give her a run for her money, but I don't think I could, like, just smash her, you know? And he said, rest. You'll beat her with with one hand. And then um, two years later, me and Mary Spencer had to fight because I had just won. One, I skipped some 15, 16. I won a junior Olympics. And then I went to the open division. I won the Olympic qualifier to make the Olympic trials. And then I went to Olympic trials and double elimination, top eight, and beat all those girls. And then after that tournament, I fought against Mary Spencer, and I beat her. So this is all at between 11 and 17. And now I have a chance to go to the Olympics. And, I mean, boxing has been the easiest thing for me to do. I don't think I can have – I don't think I can do any other job better. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health. Thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse 
your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. So what was it like walking into the gym in, in Flint then? Were they, were they welcoming to a, to a female? I mean, I did read somewhere that, that when you actually started boxing, your dad wasn't that thrilled about it. No. So he what told- was their opposition to it? Um, my dad said no to me, asking him, could he sign me up for boxing? But then a couple of days later, after me being mad and having an attitude, he... Um, he couldn't br- handle that for very long, so he decided... <laughs> you know how dads are. <laughs> so my dad brought me to his house... And we had like a mini intervention, him, his wife, and her and, uh, and her kids. And they all voted on if I should box or not. He voted no. Everybody else voted yes. So he signed me up. And he'll tell you that that's the best $60 he ever spent because now I'm a world champion making a whole lot more money. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough place from, from what I read, from what I've seen. Yeah. I've, I've, I've started watching the series that they've made about Flint. And there's been a film fairly recently too. Do you wonder what could have happened to you if you hadn't found the gym? Because it's quite a... I kind of know it, what would have happened It's one of those already. stories where, yeah. where yeah, it kind of takes the power out of it when people say, if I hadn't found the gym, then I'd be dead or in prison. But it, but, but it shouldn't take the power out of it because a lot of the time that's, that can be true. I'm not saying that it would be in mm-hmm. your case, but a lot of the time it can be. I wouldn't be dead or, or, or in prison, but I definitely would be on the wrong path. I think... Um, if I wanted to discover boxing to, you know, help me control my anger, which I had had a lot of growing up, then I would have just put a hundred percent into doing whatever is negative. And I think that if I would have been selling drugs, would have been fighting people in the streets, that would have been, you know, just telling everybody what to do and just having like running a gang or something. I'm all, I've always been like a leader, so I wouldn't have been a follower, but I definitely wouldn't have been on the right path and maybe I would have had some kids or something who knows but boxing definitely changed my whole direction of what I wanted to do with my life same for you different for you (laughs) very different for me (laughs) um no I I think I'm probably one of the most surprised people as to where I am now through boxing I wasn't planning like 10 years ago if you said to me you're going to be a professional fighter and uh, you're going to fought a uh, pound for pound champion in uh, in America and you fought in America been on Sky Sports <laughs> been on DAZN I would have been like yeah I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um, I was just going to be a musician and play in orchestras and teach music to kids um, but the opportunity came up and like you know it, boxing is such a like it's a, a passion of mine now you know I love I love doing it I love training and when I started it kind of gripped me really quickly so um yeah no it's not where I intended to be but it's given me some amazing opportunities some great op- like chances to travel um and do what I actually find that I'm really good at so yeah it's great so in terms of your respective journeys as pros this this is really interesting for me too because they couldn't have been more different, the kind of platforms that you came from. So with you, for example, I remember seeing you at some shows. Uh, Derek Williams had taken you yep. to, to a few shows and he was introducing you to people. And, and that was very much how it, 
how it had to be done. And I remember talking to Jessica McCaskill about her kind of formative stages of her pro career, exactly the same. It was getting out there, shaking hands, meeting people. Yeah. And you look at them and you think, you've, you've, if I asked you my name now and I introduced myself 10 seconds ago, you wouldn't remember it. Yeah. But you've just got to, that, that's what you had to do. Absolutely. Especially in the UK, I found that um, when I started boxing in the UK, I, like, women's boxing wasn't a thing. It wasn't um, something that you that many people were doing so um, Noel my trainer he was going to lots of shows and he was taking me with him everywhere um, and everywhere I went it's like oh, um, th- oh is that your, your female fighter is that your girl boxer um, what was it a lady boxer classic <laughs> phrase which I absolutely love um, <laughs> but yeah they, they didn't know my name didn't know anything about me and but I just kept at it we kept going and I was just watching and I'm quite a geek about the sport I like to know exactly what's going on who's fighting where they've come from what they're fighting for so you actually have to make an effort and learn about these things and by going around people started to learn about me a little bit and um, then when I started to be successful as a fighter then people started to remember who I was and you start to build a name for yourself but it, it is it was really hard at the beginning because most most coaches didn't have a female fighter in the UK just you just didn't do that so yeah it was it was different it was difficult but yeah good do you think in a way that that did provide a bit of a template for people to try and follow who weren't Katie Taylor, for example, in UK and Ireland, or mm-hmm. Natasha Jonas, who had that kind of Olympic exposure? Because you look at someone like Terry Harper now, she didn't have that. She yeah. had to sell tickets in her local area, found a great yeah. promoter in, in Steffi Bull who really believed in her. But me and Matt were talking about this a little while ago, and, and it's really important that that young women coming into boxing believe that they can make it without yeah. doing what the person sitting next to you has done because let's face it hardly anyone's going to do that yeah exactly um you have to remember you have to put a lot of work in it doesn't just happen it's not something that you can hope oh because i'm a great boxer people are gonna uh, i'm gonna get signed with a big promoter people are gonna pay for me to do this it's hard at the beginning you have to sell tickets you have to build up a fan base and i think like like terry and myself we're really lucky to have coaches that back us no matter what happens and they've backed us and pushed us forward and made sure that people know about us and helped us to actually sell sell tickets and build a name and that's really important it, it won't just happen you have to put the work in and you have to go out go out to shows get people to know you meet people and be interested in the sport and, and support other women in the sport as well yeah. it's really important because you're not going to get anywhere if you're in your own sex if actually you're not supporting any other female fighters you've got to be able to look at the bigger picture put yourself out there and it's a lot of hard work for sure but that's why I go to all the fights I go to I was at the Deontay Wilder versus Fury 1 and 2 I go to the Earl Spence fights I go to many Pacquiao fights and you would be surprised that I get I take more pictures than the male fighters at these events everybody wants a picture with me I get mobbed now I'm to a point now I have to have security at these fights in Vegas at the at the MSG um, T-Mobile I have to have security now and it didn't used to be like that and you'd be like this I is a woman fighter I saw you at Square Garden for, for Joshua uh, Ruiz you were sitting just away to my left hand side you were kind of on the front row um, I was having a tough time yeah. that day <laughs> I mean I was I was hurt to see Anthony Joshua lose I was just like it was, it was a dream of mine to see him fight in person and I'm like the day he comes to America I don't care where he fights at I'm, I'm going <laughs> it was actually 
my anniversary, was, my two-year uh, anniversary with LJ. So it was like, I'm skipping out on my anniversary. <laughs> I'm sure he's used to that. I'm sure he's used to that. It was an unbelievable night, though, wasn't it? It was an incredible night to it just was. to be there to witness that kind of history, uh, and a massive night for for women's pro boxing. Katie Taylor Delphi pursuit was an unbelievable fight. There were a lot yeah, of people absolutely. taking their seats for that one. I, I I do the card for Sky if I'm not commentating, and I had it a draw. How, how did you two? You were there, so how did you? Did you? Um, I thought Katie Taylor took way too many punches. I thought the last round it was close to her being. Uh, stopped actually and thank god she didn't fight three minutes because the fight would have been over i feel like delphine pursuing was super aggressive she lost the first four rounds i feel like but came on strong the last couple rounds i feel like that yeah. last round could have been counted a 10-8 and i would have gave it to delphine pursuing 60 40 I, I would have given it to Delphine and I was watching it on the TV so yeah. from from what I saw I, like I agree with you I think Katie did well at the beginning but then later on Delphine just came on strong it's even stronger and stronger and I had her winning it so it would have been nice to have had a rematch for that one I think for sure it absolutely would I, I think that's that's a fight that people really really want to see Katie Taylor Amanda uh, Serrano's coming up which is going to be absolutely that's going to be a great fight I, think, I really think that's going to be interesting for people to watch uh, Amanda's done so much in the sport um, and what how many divisions Wait, seven. seven seven division champion um seven. so it'd be it'd be great to see that happen and, and see that fight and i think it's going to be exciting for people to watch Definitely. it's going to be very exciting you're going to have two girls who do not want to lose no you're going to have i mean amanda serrano not only is tough but she can crack yeah and then she can crack she can move her sister cindy went 10 rounds with katie taylor and I just think that people underestimate Amanda Serrano's boxing ability. Like, she yeah. may have power, she's strong, but she can also move, move around if she needs to. I think that um, she's definitely going to – I think she's going to be the, the aggressor in the fight with her and Katie Taylor because that's just her nature, and she knows that she can crack. It's absolutely amazing that what, what she's done with the weight because she's boxed from super flyweight up yes. to super lightweight. And that's it's insane. One, <laughs> yeah. 115 insane. to 140. And she went from super lightweight and – down to Superfly within, within the space of a fight. And it's yeah. just, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling, to be honest. Uh, but that is, we'll get onto this a little bit more later, but that is something that female fighters are much, much more capable of doing yeah. uh, than men. Um, but just to go back to, your, to the start of your professional career, when you've got two Olympic gold medals, yeah. the assumption would be that you can, if you were a man, you'd be... Vasily Lomachenko, because he won two Olympic gold medals. Mm. The assumption would be that you could choose your promoter and basically name your price. What actually happened? Hey, everybody. This is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Um, well... My first fight, I fought for 50000 which is more than a lot of guys making their pro debuts. And then my second fight was probably the same, and then it went down after that, then it went back up. But now my purse, my last fight was for three hundred k, And um, that's more than what a lot of women are making. I think that's the most that I've heard a woman fighter making. Probably Katie Taylor has made more, I think. But I'm not really sure. Um, 
But that's a lot to make in, to being a woman fighter. But I shouldn't say that that's a lot to make for being a woman fighter. It should be, if I was a two-time Olympic gold medalist man and the fastest boxer become a three-time division world champion, what would be my purse? And I feel like my purse should be millions of dollars because I came from 168 pounds to 160 to now 154 to become a champion. And um, I just have to keep making the demands. And that's why I don't understand where all the hate comes from comes from with these other female fighters because I'm not only vouching for myself but I'm vouching for them you know some people tell me that these girls aren't worth more than $10,000 and I'm like look there's no way you're going to pay me 300k and give my opponent $10,000 it's just not fair you know like we have to um, figure out a way to make to where it's, it's, it's equal like there's always an A and a B side but the girls who fight me get their biggest purse of their life and I'm just trying to let trying to always want more they say hey when i when i fought against christina hammer i think the fight was for 125,000. i was fighting my next fight and they're like hey it's gonna be 150 and i said i, was, I, I will not be getting in the ring for 150,000." and they're like well how much do you want to get in the ring for i said i'm not getting in the ring for less than 300k and that's the fight that i had with ivana and that's what they paid me but you have to know your worth and speak up for that and a lot of women don't know their worth and some women overprice themselves by saying that they're worth more. You know, you just have to really put the work in, just like Hannah said, mm. and really build yourself and your and your platform. And and my people who who are watching me has went up the roof just in the just in the past year of how many fans I have, how many viewers tune into the fight, how many more haters I have. Also, it it all it, it all works itself out. So it's like I try to let them and let let my promoter and just Showtime know, like, look. There's a reason I'm sh- I'm fighting the main event on Showtime, and I get viewership. I sell tickets. I sell out. Of, yeah. I, I sell out venues. So it's like with that, you have to pay for that. And a lot of women are like, oh well, they're already giving you so much. You know, you don't want to ask. It's like there's not too much to ask for. Guys are discussing millions, and I'm still discussing three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars. When it's like, I need to be able to say I made a million dollars for a purse, and that needs to be this year. It's a, it's a really interesting subject, this, because the perception is that women's boxing is, is booming. That's, that's a phrase that I hear a lot. And, of course, there's been an enormous amount of progress been made in the last five, six yeah. years. And I would never deny that. And I'm not trying to be some kind of Scrooge-like killjoy here. The last here, three but years, you, I want to say five to six. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But you yeah. need to look at these things quite closely. And I think, I think there is sometimes a tendency, with, with anything, when... when it's felt the progress has been made that people can pat themselves and each other on the back a bit, a bit quick um, and just decide, Oh, what a a great job we did there. Aren't we great? Aren't you great? We're all great. This is brilliant. (laughs) And and they just kind of take their eye off the ball um, just a, a little bit. So how do you feel that you are treated as professional athletes and women within boxing? Because I know I'm not, I'm not going to throw names out because there's no right reply here, but I know that there are plenty of people within professional boxing and almost all of the positions of power are taken by men who don't want women's professional boxing. Mm-hmm. They've never wanted it and they don't want it now. And if it has to happen, they want the fighters on at half past three in the afternoon and they don't want to pay them. And that's just a fact. It's and not the it's, same. It's not true for everybody, obviously, but that is just that is just a fact. It's true, and I, and I, I totally see where you're coming from there. I, th- I think in the UK, I find that it, people have been a little bit 
backward in supporting women's fighting. We're just not here. We just don't seem to be as pro women uh, boxing as whenever I've been abroad. I've been over in Scandinavia and obviously in America. Whenever I go to America, I see it. It's so much more positive. I don't know what you do, but here it's it's like light years ahead of uh, America's like light years ahead of the UK when it comes to women in boxing. But for me, anyway. Um, like I said, there's always going to be people there who, oh, it's a chick's fight, let's go to the bar. I've heard that on numerous occasions when I've been at, at shows. It's like, oh, the girls are fighting, we'll just go and get a pint. And I was like, that's terrible because, you know, we're out there, we've put as much hard work in as any of the men. And uh, we're also at risk of getting cut and, and it being a, a proper a proper fight. And But they're just going to not bother watching it because it's girls and it, it can't possibly be good as, as men. And that... That's a bit depressing. But on the positive side, I always have uh, people come up to me afterwards saying, oh, I wasn't here to see your fight, but it was the, the fight of the night. You know, most exciting. And, and women's fighting can be really exciting because there's only two-minute rounds. Yeah, It's super fast. Yeah. Um, and women are, I think, quite aggressive. We're naturally Very more aggressive, aggressive in the yeah. ring. So um, it can really set up for a great fight, fireworks and everything like that. But we're still catching up. So, yes, we are progressing, but... No, I don't think it's progressing quick enough. Why, why, that's interesting. Why do you think... I mean, I covered a lot of Salon cards a few years ago, and there, there was always women's fights on yeah. Salon cards, always. And that had been going on for a good while. Yeah. I remember, uh, actually, at the, the World Championships you won, one of the two you won in Kazakhstan. I was there with Regina Halmik um, oh, yeah. doing some commentary, and she was telling me about her fighting days in Germany, which is 20 years ago now, and mm. she used to pack out arenas. She, she fought a game show host, a man, and broke his nose, and the yeah. place was packed, and it was on national <laughs> TV, and they all went nuts for it. Why do you think it is that we're a bit kind of prehistoric in our attitudes towards it in the UK compared to, to the USA and, and Europe? I don't know. I, th- I think people... I, I totally respect if people don't want to see women fighting. And I respect that. You know, I, it's good if they can support, um, can support me uh, in, that, in any way they can. But I think we're just a little bit um, backwards. Um, and I don't, I can't, you can't make people enjoy a sport. That's what I'm going to say. You can't make people enjoy boxing. But I think we're just more about women shouldn't be boxing. Women should be doing nice things, uh, be at home and taking care of the kids or doing a, being a teacher or doing nice jobs. And actually, I don't know, it, it's really shown as apparent when it comes to the, the weigh-ins. So like mine and Clarissa's weigh-in was probably one of the most explosive sort of ways they've seen most of the time it's like oh the women should be nice shake hands and work together um but yeah no i just whereas me and carissa were like headbutting each other we were going at each other all that sort of thing so yeah i think it people don't want to see women acting like that it's, it's perceived a little bit not what women should do you should be nice and behaved and all that sort of thing so yeah i think we're just we're trying to catch up with it for sure I don't think that's totally true though because I look at where I look at my viewership and people that watch me fight and people love that I trash talk. I mean, it's not accepted by all men, but I've only heard it when I first turned pro. They're like, oh, women don't do this and women don't do that. I'm like, how the hell are you going to tell me what I do and don't do? Like, I'm a woman, and I do talk trash, and I do mean business, and I do like to fight. And it's a fight. It's a fight at the end of the day. Like, we're going in there to punch each other and actually have a competitive fight with one another. So we can't be going into the fight and being like, oh, it's very nice to meet you. Thanks. That's great. Let's have a nice hug and be like, oh, yes, great. Nice sportsmanship. We'll go and we'll see each other in the ring. And it's not how it works. You're, 
you'll be working 10 weeks towards a world title fight. You're feeling aggressive. You're ready to go. And you're about to get in there and do 10 rounds of war. You're not going to be like, oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much on the scales. That's not how it works. And just because we're a woman, we shouldn't be expected to do that. Whereas people kind of look, oh, it's a bit aggressive. Why, why are you being like that? <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. It is interesting how it's kind of perceived on, on the two sides of the of the Atlantic. And I guess it comes down to when people are looking at fighters that they admire or, or athletes that they admire, people talk about role models a lot and... I think that's a good thing, but role models, it's about relating to someone, isn't it? We're obsessed in the UK about a role model being someone who behaves perfectly at all times. It's totally unrealistic. It's, yeah. never, it's never going to happen. And that's one of the main issues of the UK because because of that sort of that sort of perception is quite common. Like You should be good and, and shiny and, and nice all around the edges. Uh, and like you said there, but... Humble. Yeah, and humble. Mm-hmm. Humble, yeah, being humble on the scales. Why? I've just put my body through hell to get myself into the best shape possible so that I can go and beat the other girl up and win. That's the whole point. It's not about going in there to be like all nice and roses and daisies and all that sort of stuff. It's just not. Uh, but the UK definitely are behind on that i think in america much better at it i'll tell you what there's 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 uh it, it's not just the coronavirus at the minute there is a there is a, certainly an epidemic maybe even a global pandemic of faux humbleness oh yeah it's what you see all the time now it's like the new thing over the last year it's like if you're big and famous it's like look how humble i am yeah the, with, with no recognition of the irony of you're banging on about how great how humble you are because you think that'll make you look good yeah that's not that's not humility but that no. seems to be what people go for now. It's it's kind of I half blame AJ. I'm not saying he's one of these because he's not. No. But he 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 kind of started it. You know, with a lot of talk about being Stay humble. being humble. And the thing they do though is he's actually as nice as he comes across on all of his TV things. He's genuinely a lovely person. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you know, when I go up to Sheffield for sparring, I've seen him up there. He always comes over and asks me, "How are you getting on? How's the fighting going?" Speaks to my coach, asks how everything's doing. He takes the time, whereas. Like, you know, and he is naturally a humble person. He, he's like, great, I'm, I might be mega famous and a multiple world champion and all this sort of stuff, but I am nice. But a lot of people do put it on. And I think it, it should be more about you just being yourself and not trying to be humble for the cameras. Like, I think, yeah, it's yeah, the same you, thing. You, you, you prove what you are by what you do, not by exactly. what you say. It's, just, it's, as, it's as simple as that. But it, with, with that kind of role model debate too, it, it's you have to have all sorts of different ones, don't you? Because somebody... Um, you two, you're from very, very different backgrounds. Yeah. It'd be a lot easier for a young woman growing up in inner city uh, in the USA. Which one of you two is she going to relate to more? Well, it's her, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not a one size fits all. No. Uh, and for people in the UK, it would be easier to, to, to relate to you. It's, it's, 
I don't know. It's something I find a bit mystifying at times. I think it's quite interesting because Clarissa and I, although before the fight, we were kind of like, oh, we don't, uh, we, we have nothing in common. We're, we don't like each other. We're arguing, trying to get into each other. And actually, after we finished the fight, we found out that we were actually really similar and had quite a lot of things in common, even though I come from the middle of nowhere and she comes from Flint in America. It's like, you wouldn't think we had anything in common, but actually we've got the same sort of like goals and things we want to achieve and push towards. So yeah, no, it's, you know, I think people are always surprised, aren't they? That we we have so much in common. Yeah, and I think that um, just with women, they feel like we're all supposed to be beefed out and catty. Yeah. And we're not. No, <laughs> <I feel> like, <laughs> uh, and I told her that I'm like, I really like, out of all the girls in boxing, I have a few other girls in, who are my friends in boxing, but I don't think I'm close with them like I am with Hannah because Hannah... I know when a girl is secretly hating on me and secretly envious. <laughs> yeah. And Hannah just not that. Like, she's very, like, genuine. She's nice. And um, she knows that when I give her advice that I'm being genuine and, like, really want to help her and see her do well. But you have other women who are just sneaky, conniving, and just envious all the time. There's plenty of that, is there? Yeah, they don't want to yeah. listen to... So, like, you know, at the end of the day, you should be... Like people should be buzzing that Clarissa has been so successful because it's really leading the way for women's boxing. Like Katie yeah. Taylor as well, she's doing so well, and these two are right up at the top, leading the way and and raising the pay for all of us, which is a really important aspect of it. But also, suddenly people are all talking about women's boxing because Clarissa and Katie are doing so well. Whereas I do find sometimes people can be a little bit sort of like, oh, she's only doing so well because of this, and like a bit nasty you know and actually they should be like raising them up and push, pushing forward because we can learn so much and the sport will just grow like there's nothing else you can say it's just going to grow and get better so i think that my pay comes from like having a support from the male fighters yeah in america i'm heavily supported like deontay wilder earl spence adrian broner shakur stevenson terence crawford those guys speak very highly of me andre war whenever i'm mentioned and they speak highly of me, and they give me that respect, not of just being a female fighter, but being a fighter. Yeah. And they compliment me, and me and Shakur have conversations because I'll ask him about how he did something inside the ring, and he'll ask me, well, how'd you do this? And that's being respected as a real fighter. So when I go places, I'm not like a, a woman fighter who just looks good. They're like, yo, don't mess with Clarissa. She'll probably punch you in your face. You say the wrong thing. And that's, to me the kind of respect that I like to have being a woman fighter. Like, hey, don't come messing with me. <laughs> I'm that good that you are that you may be a little timid because if you say the wrong thing, you might just catch one. So to me, that's where that, to me, that's that, that, that respect. Yeah. And that's that them being very interested in my fights. Like, oh, she about to fight against another girl? It's like, I'm going to go in there and smash her up. That's what they want to see. People want to see that. People do want to see that, it doesn't, and there's no pretending otherwise. Because people come to boxing and they want to see they want to see knockouts. That, yeah. that, that's what it's about. I mean, there's not there's plenty of us around who appreciate a good technical fight. I'm I'm definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, that's not what will sustain the sport long term. It's yeah. all it is what it is and what it what it always has been. To what to what extent are you, Clarissa, or to any extent, two different people in terms of what you're prepared to say to promote something? and who you really are because some some fighters you're shaking your head but some fighters do do this some fighters do do this and i completely understand why they do they will they go into fight mode and they will come out and say stuff that that really they don't really mean it and that it's not but they do it i'm the the same person 
You know, yeah. going into camp six weeks, it can change you a little bit. You know, and I actually get a little bit meaner close to the fight. That's why I be at the weigh-in, and I just be, you know, sometimes I've had it up to here with my opponents, and I'm like, I heard, I read when you said this, I read when you said that, and I have to say what I want to say to them to their face. I'm not like a keyboard warrior. Anything I've said to somebody on a on a on the internet, I love to say it to them to their face. Yeah. But I'm just like on edge, you know, when it's like the week of the fight. But everything I say and that I do is just that's just who I am. Do I believe that I'm the greatest? I'm the greatest woman of all time. Yes, I'm the quote. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't say it. Um, do I believe that I'll go down in history as one of the best woman fighters to walk this earth? Yes. Do I believe that believe that I could be the man? Yes. And that's just so much hard work put into my training, into my craft. Now, like I said, I've never had any other job but boxing. I haven't worked at a store or I haven't done anything except box my entire life. So that's where my attitude comes from. Like, I put 100% into boxing, and that's what I love to do. But I don't put on a show for nobody. I don't like to change for people. Pretending to be somebody else, people who don't really like me like that, who don't really care about what I care about. The reason I've been pushing women's boxing so hard and why I talk trash is to let them know that women boxers talk trash. Women boxers come to the fight to fight. Women boxers have a voice. That's why when anybody say anything to me, if it's a reporter who writes something, if it's somebody who says something up on TV, I respond and let them know, hey, I'm listening. Watch your mouth. Keep it clean. Be nice because I'm going to respond and I Google people and I find out information and I'll hit them where it hurts. So that's why I'm like, women, women, we, we have that same fighter mentality attitude that the guys have. And actually, women may, may have it more because I know that I'm a fight fan fanatic. I love boxing. I love training. I love yeah. going to the fights. I love everything about boxing. I love the trash talk. I kind of get annoyed when it's two guys who won't talk trash. <laughs> it's like, say something. Make each other upset. You know, and if you look at Adrian Broner, he's a B-plus fighter. But he has made a lot of money by talking himself into getting good fights. He's, he, he's a brilliant example because Absolutely. I remember there was a, there was a debate um, in British boxing maybe 18 months ago. I, I, I covered a couple of his more recent fights and and what people were talking about was has Adrian Broner underachieved, uh, and and because the perception was that he that he could have been Mayweather and all the rest of it, he he said that he said that yeah. no one else said it. He's he's massively overachieved because because he's talked himself up and he's got himself into big fights. And even though he's not done brilliantly recently, he's he's still just huge. He's box office people want to watch him. I wonder to what extent you did you know how you would be received in terms of your personality and the fact that you're not willing to change or back down because be, be, being black you are only ever you're, you're, you're only ever just touching distance away from, from the angry black woman stereotype and mm-hmm. did you I don't know are these things that you need to that you thought about at all are, are, they, are these issues for you you know what when I first turned pro and I was saying talking about how great I was because I had just won two Olympics and I was turning pro, and I had said, I am the resurrection of female boxing, right? And they were like, whoa. 
And I was like, well, I'm just speaking fact, the truth. That's a massive shout, isn't it? <laughs> I'm I like, love because it, I love it's it. been dead for 20 years. Now, I'm like, not going to say the Jesus, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm raising it up. I'm raising the dead up from women's boxing, right? And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. So then, after me and French John had this four-round war, they're like, whoa, this girl can fight. She won, and it shows that there's other great women fighters, too, because the fight with me and Franchon was so competitive. Then from there, my third fight, I fight for a world title against a girl who's 17-0, six knockouts, and I knock her out. Now I'm really yelling to the roof. I'm the greatest woman of all time. They're like, whoa. Where is this greatest woman of all time coming from? People see me as being soft-spoken before. But I've never been soft-spoken except for when I was a kid. Since I've been boxing, I've always been women, being the best, I'm the best. I've always been like that. But I did get get criticized at the beginning. But they stopped criticizing me because they figured out that I don't care. They they figured out that I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to talk trash if I want to. And it's my career. See, when you you have to put some of these reporters in their place. You cannot tell me how a world champion acts because you're not a world champion. You're a reporter. You're a writer. You're a journalist. I'm a world champion. You can't tell me how much confidence I should and shouldn't have. You're not in a gym. You, you wasn't in a gym working out with me. You wasn't there when my body was sore. When yep. I had to go get in the ice tub because I literally, my, my freaking traps are stuck to my neck. You, don't, you, you, you wasn't with me. So when I hear people say, oh, Women need to be like this. How do you know if you're not a woman? Yeah, you're not very, a woman. Very true. Very true. You're not a woman. <laughs> you're not a fighter. Yeah. You cannot tell me how to carry myself. It's a preference. And the thing I've been trying to let everybody know is that every woman fighter is different. You have your yep. Adrian Broners. You have your Andre Wards. Then you have your in the middle Terrence Crawford, where he talks a little bit of trash, but not that much. But Andre Ward never talked trash. Always spoke about God. And then you have Adrian Broner. Talks about money, <laughs> girls, the people he want to fight, Gucci. Then you got Floyd, who went from being like Adrian Broner to turning around and being the kind of humble champion, but he still let everybody know he had money. So it's like, why do guys get to have all these different characters? Characters, yeah. But a but a woman fighter is supposed to be one thing. pretty. Wear yeah, skirts, it comes, it comes back to that, doesn't it? Yeah. That you're supposed yeah. to know your place and behave in the way that society feels that that that, that you should. But it's I don't care about none of that. I'm gonna do what I want to do every <laughs> every fight. I do get that sense. Yeah, it's also, <laughs> I think it's also really important that people remember that professional boxing is slightly different from other sports. I always say to people, it's fifty percent sport and 50% entertainment because you've got to be able to go out there and entertain people. People want to buy into your character. They want to buy into what, you, what you're going to do in the ring, what kind of fighter you are, how are you selling yourself, what's your walkout like, um, how do you act around fans, um, are you aggressive at the weigh-in, um, are people gonna, is it going to be a show at the weigh-in, are you going to have loads of trash talking, are you super polite and, and then a killer in the ring, you know, that sort of thing. It's just like you, you've got to be able to sell your image and there's been loads of boxers who are amazing boxers but they don't know how to speak to the public or sell themselves and have a character. Katie Taylor's very quiet, yeah. for example. she's the, the, the two biggest names in female boxing, I think it's fair to say, are, are 
yourself and, and, and Katie. And that's just how she is. Yeah, but and, she's always been be like a, that. Exactly, she's always been like that. And it would be a total car crash Absolutely. to try and make her be anything other I than that. I think because she's but different. That's, not everyone's going to engage with that, are they? That's no, and I think her her background and being Irish as well, having a big fan base like that, and then it helps her. And also, she has this sort of attitude where she's super humble, very religious, and then in the ring, she's like running people over <laughs> you know so she's got that aggressive side to her that suddenly comes out on, in the ring which helps sell her personality as and she's super nice outside the ring and then there's the other side of it so it's you know you've got to be able to sell whatever you've got to sell and however you want to act um, but it is applicable to men and women you know mm-hmm. if you want to be do well in the sport you've got to have something that people want to watch you for and entertain people yeah absolutely as, as it was described as it's been described as many, many things, but show business with blood. That was that's one of the most memorable ones from one of the American writers back yeah. decades ago. The red light district of sports. That that that's been another yeah. one the, because <laughs> it's 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 a tough old it's a rough old game, not just physically but also mentally and from from the business side. So I won't keep you too much longer, but yep. let's just find out what's next for both of you. What, what about what about you, Hannah? I know that you had a fight uh, against a good fighter, Patricia Burkholt, yep. towards the back end of last year. Didn't go your way. Yep. You've had a win since then. So what are you looking to do? So, um, yeah, I had a good stoppage win at the beginning of February at home in Scotland in front of my home crowd. So that was fantastic. I was on a Kinnock show there. Um, stopped the girl in three rounds. So I was really pleased about that. A good performance. And I'm pulling off stuff that I've been working on in the gym. So I'm really, really pleased about that. Um, I'm looking for that rematch with Patricia. I want my belt back. And um, I've, I've been calling her out. She's been very quiet. There's there's been nothing going on there so you know if you if you want to become world champion you can't just go away and hide and do nothing with the belt and do nothing you know you've got to be able to respond to people so I'm asking for that rematch and hopefully I'm going to get it this year um but yeah hopefully uh looking to be out again end of April beginning of May sometime hopefully but just waiting to hear uh, some finalized details for sure and May 9th is what I'm hearing for you is that correct could you fill us in a bit more um, I can't tell you the opponent. I can't tell you where at either. Sorry, but it is May 9th. Wait, can you tell us the weight? One fifty four. Okay, is that what you're looking to? Is that your most? Is that your best weight? Do you think? No. Middle weight's your best weight. Is yeah. It? <laughs> middle and super middle. I went down only for the history and to fight the girls who were saying that I was too big and calling me fat. So I came down to one fifty four <laughs> to beat them up. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can, then you do, I suppose, don't you? So, just some quick predictions before we go. Um, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. I'm going 60-40, Amanda Serrano. Yeah, I'm going Amanda Serrano on this one. So, and the plan seemed to be from Atrium that they were manoeuvring Katie Taylor towards Cecilia Breckus. Breckus would probably need to come down to one four three, one four four, Who is or, that? or something <laughs> like that. But it were that to happen, let's say Katie Taylor beats Amanda Serrano. Or the winner of that against Cecilia Brackus, who wins that fight? I don't know who Cecilia Brackus is. <laughs> She's the undisputed champion at welterweight and has been for quite some time. I think if she comes down, uh, the winner. So, if it's Katie, if Katie wins and it's against Brackhouse, I think Brackhouse wins that personally. But then if it's Amanda Serrano against Brackhouse, I think Amanda wins that. I think Katie whoops. Cecilia Brackett's ass. That's what I think. I think that she wants to fight Katie because Katie is smaller. But Cecilia Brackett's can... I know who she is, not just remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> she punches very slow. Um, She's at 147. 
and she's only fought at that weight class. Her going down to 140, she made things only seven pounds, but she's going to have to lose that weight. And then Katie's already faster than her, younger than her. To me, has better skills. I think the only thing that she holds over Katie is the power. But she's not a super aggressive fighter. I feel like Katie will take that. Well, th- what would happen, I think, is that, that Taylor would have Cut to straight. come up to about 143, 144, and Breckis would have to come down because, like you say, seven pounds would be too much. And Katie Taylor's not a super she's lightweight. Tiny. She didn't have to go up. She's a lightweight. I and do she always think, has um, been. So that was. Cecilia's quite small at the weight, at welterweight. I've sparred her before. So I, f- I feel like she's, she's not massi- a massive welterweight. So for her to come down to super light, uh, well, uh, maybe a catch weight is probably a lot more doable than people think. Um, and I think she'd take. A little bit of power with her for that. I think I do think she beat Katie on that one, but you know we can agree to disagree on that. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, we'll um, we'll see how it all pans out. Terry Harper's got her fight as well, of course, on April the twenty fourth against Natasha Jonas, uh, yep. defending her her WBC world title. So I better let you go because it's not too long before the doors open and uh, people start flooding in for the for the master classes. It's great to see you both. Oh, thank um, you. We were uh, when we knew that you were back for this week. We we always. We're always keen to do this, and Matt will be very sorry you missed it because he was—he was at your debut. He was—he was ringside for your debut against uh, Francion Cruz, and um, I, I did always kind of wonder how that conversation went. If you're Francion Cruz's manager and, and, and you're telling her who she's got for her debut, and I can't help but think she might have just thought, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I was pro first. I was pro, and I didn't even know she turned pro. And all of a sudden, we went zero and eighteen, and then. They called me and said, how about Franchon Cruz? And I, and I personally called Franchon Cruz like, hey, we don't got to fight. Why? You shouldn't have to start your professional career with the with the loss on your record. I mean, I'm just being real. It's brutal honesty, that, isn't it? <laughs> and she like, but I need this and that. I'm like, look, we're both going to make millions if we fight each other down the line. You're going to mess up the millions if we fight each other right now. But she was like, I need it, I need it, I need it. I'm like. And she also felt that she could beat me also. So, I'm like, all right, cool. We fought. I won. But that was the first fight her mom actually got to see me and her fight. And we fought on HBO um, YouTube. Her mom got to watch the fight. And I think two weeks later, her mom passed. So, you know, everything works itself out. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much. And... Thanks very much for tuning in and listening. I hope uh, I hope uh, it hasn't been too uh, painful without Macklin, but he will be he will be back soon <laughs> enough. He will be back soon enough. Don't worry about that. And if people could get onto iTunes and give us a rate and, and write us a review, uh, that'd be tremendous. And we will see you all again soon. Round a corner. Could that someone be Mac the night? There's a tugboat down by the river, don't you know? Where a cement bag just drooping on down. Oh, that cement is just, it's there for the way to dare. Five will get you ten old Mackies back in town. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.